0: Thank you for tuning in to Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey, everyone, this is Sean. Just got done with a great interview with a fellow Robert Morris alumni, Tyson Gibson, and we talked to him about some tough things and also his lacrosse career. Garrett, what did you think about Tyson?
1: I thought Tyson was a great guest. Uh, I thought he touched on some very important points. I won't dive too deep into it, but one one big takeaway take I got was, you know, your time in college goes by really fast. And I think that's true for life in general. I think as we get older, you know, you start to blink your eyes and it's been five years and then it's been 10 years and it's crazy how time flies. And his big, biggest piece of advice was really to just take it uh, day for day and don't take anything for granted. And I, uh, I thought that's a great piece of advice, no matter how old you are um, to any of our
0: listeners out there. Yeah, it's such a great piece of advice and talking to him about his recruitment process and his journey. I was thinking about myself back when I was playing junior hockey, you know, and that's already been five years now. It's crazy to think that college was my goal for so long and now it's come and gone and you're on to the next thing. And he had a really good point about making sure to enjoy your time with your friends and the people that matter. And also just sticking to that daily grind as well. He definitely has a strenuous schedule. Um, the National Lacrosse League isn't paid very well, so he does have to have a full-time job, and it's a really impressive balance. And I uh, have a tremendous amount of respect for him for being able to pull that off at such a high level. I know Sean can attest to this, and it's funny because we
1: joke about it all the time. But when you're an incoming freshman coming in. The upperclassmen, whether it's juniors or seniors, they they always tell you never to take your four years for granted because it goes by very fast. And me and Sean joke that we always say, "Yeah, right, it doesn't go by very fast." And you blink your eyes and you're a senior. So for anyone out there that's going into their freshman year of college or embarking on a new journey in their life, as we mentioned, just enjoy your process because it does go by fast.
0: And it definitely is a grind. You know, I'm not going to lie to you and say that. I enjoyed every single day of practice. I am not gonna tell you, I enjoyed every single lift, but you have to take those things for what they are because doing those things is not only going to make you better. It's going to improve that bond you have with your teammates because, you know, going through a hell week or going through something tough at the beginning of the year is really made there not to put you through a hell week. Like it's not to make things tough on you guys. It's to help you bond and force you to work together and, you know, meet the new players on the team and break up those clicks. That's something else that we talked about here. The best teams are the ones that don't have clicks. I'm
1: going to quote former guest Mark Sample. It's the struggle that makes us great.
0: It's a hell of a quote. Let's kick it on over to Tyson Gibson. The Colorado Rampage are excited to announce a player development partnership with PowerEdge Pro Hockey. PEP's reactive countering training concept is the type of innovative skill development that will greatly impact our organization. Developing players to the next level is the Colorado Rampage's number one priority, and incorporating PEP hockey into our training will help us get there. Visit their website at corampage.com. That's c o R A M P A G E.com. Be better today than you were yesterday, and join the herd. Today's guest is a fellow Robert Morris University alumni. During his time at RMU, he led the lacrosse team to two conference championships. He was also selected to the first team all-conference in 2017 and 2018. He then won the 2019 NEC Men's Lacrosse Player of the Year Award and is the all-time assist leader for the Robert Morris Colonials. Following his collegiate career, he became the number one draft pick in the National Lacrosse League draft and then he backed it up by scoring 43 points in only 12 games and winning the 2020 NLL Rookie of the Year Award. Thank you for joining the podcast, Tyson Gibson.
2: Tyce, how are you? What are you doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Just at work here, and uh, I've been well, all things considering. Um, just been working, spending time with the family and uh, working out um, now that we're in the off season, and just looking forward to uh, getting back into it, hopefully uh, in January.
0: What was it like growing up in Maple, Ontario, and how did you get started in lacrosse?
2: Yeah, so um, so I grew up in Maple uh, my entire life, and I'm still living there now. And uh, I work downtown, so I'm just commuting there. And kind of my, my journey with lacrosse started pretty much right from when I was born. And uh, my dad, he, he played professional when I, when I was born. So pretty much right away, he threw a stick in my hands. And, and ever since, I've been going to his practices and, and then my own, and, and here we are.
1: At what age did um, you know Division One become reality for you, and what was your college recruitment process like?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Division One kind of route was was pretty early on, um, especially with lacrosse. It's pretty, you know, limited opportunities. I know you guys with, the, with hockey you got junior, the OHL, and whatnot. Different routes you can take. So, so fortunately enough, um, you know, school in lacrosse was was number one for me. Um, in terms of the recruiting process, uh, it's probably a little different, um, you know, being Canadian and, and most of the recruiting um, happening down, down in the States. So there's a lot of traveling over the weekends, um, a lot of good times with, uh, with my dad specifically and, and, you know, friends and their parents and whatnot. But um, it was pretty much just tournaments every weekend throughout the summer. Um, you play high school across and, and hope to get recruited from there. Um, and then eventually you just, you know, you kind of wither down to a couple schools and, and make a choice that, that, that best, fit, best fits you.
1: You mentioned your dad played professionally for 13 years. Uh, did he go the college route? And if he did, did he have any, um, you know, advice for you when you were picking schools or was he a, a big part of your recruitment process?
2: Yeah. So he's, he's been, you know, like my, my number one sidekick almost through this whole thing. And yeah, I go to him with everything. Um, so he actually went to Mercyhurst to play Division One lacrosse. Um, uh, so, but, however, I was born actually that year, his freshman year. So he did the first year and was dra- driving back home from Toronto to Mercyhurst. Um, and then after that year, he just declared for the NOL. Um I think he was nineteen or, or no, he would have been twenty-one around. And then just went to school at York and uh, and raised me. And and yeah, so that was his uh, short kind of route there, but. Um, no, he he taught me everything. He just made sure from day one to you know not get caught up with all the all the gear and, and the team and stuff, and just really find a place that that you know you can spend the uh, the next four years of your life there.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a big part of college, and a lot of kids who are young they really want to commit to those big name schools. You know, for hockey, right. it's Wisconsin and BU, and for lacrosse, I'm sure it's uh, Maryland and Duke schools like that. Right. But it's really about where you're going to get the best opportunity obviously in your sport you want to play more because you're not going to get better riding the bench and then you also have to look at the academic side of it and all that too so sounds like you made a good decision i know i enjoyed my time at rmu
2: (laughs) yeah exactly and rmu i mean again this just kind of pertains to lacrosse but just again it comes down to the team and family you have there and i know you can attest to your squad on the hockey team and you know we were pretty close but um you know it's just a good group and everybody loved everybody and um and if you don't have that, those four years, it's going to be tough. And, you know, a transfer actually, Dylan Sidoriak, who came from and he was a pretty big name, um, lacrosse school. Um, he just didn't like the culture there and, and, it, and it came down to just, you know, it was a lot of arrogance, you know, a lot of selfish, you know, a lot of selfish teammates he, he noticed and he made the switch and, and he doesn't regret it one bit, even though per se, it's not the bigger school, but it was definitely the, the right choice.
0: Yeah. You talk about culture and it's such a big thing that teams have because, anyone can beat anyone evidence. You guys played Maryland, the number one seed in the tournament and had them on the ropes there for sure. I was on the edge of my seat watching that game, but um, what do you think made the RMU culture better than some of those other schools?
2: Um, I think, and it's going to sound corny and cheesy and probably repetitive, but honestly, it's just the family aspect of it. Like, um, and I know the lacrosse world's pretty small, so everybody kind of knows everybody or you've heard of somebody and uh, like from top down, there was there was no, you know, cockiness or, again, arrogance or, or, you know, hazing to rookies. And and it was really just a very good atmosphere, and and it was just fun. It was really just fun, whether it was on or off the, the floor or the field. Um, it was just a great time.
1: Sean and I have seen both sides of the coin. Uh, we've been on teams with great culture. We've been on teams with terrible culture. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned the the arrogance isn't there. And uh, you talk about like the rookie hazing stuff, which is obviously fun and a good time. But I think sometimes when you come to these schools too, you have like this, the tieredness, right? You have the seniors that think that they deserve all the respect in the world. And they think that they deserve that from all the freshmen. It's funny because I'm in a new school right now. It's our first year playing division one um, out here right. in Long Island. And we don't really have that tieredness because it's everyone's first year here. No one really knows what's going on. We don't really know what to expect. We're all in the same boat together. And I think it's right. really bringing us closer as a team instead of having those upperclassmen expect or demand the respect um, without having giving the freshmen something to want to give them respect. Uh, so Absolutely. I think it's a, a great point that, that you brought up there. And um, I think it's one thing that'll help our, t- our team be closer and hopefully be more successful this year as well.
2: No, absolutely. And, and you notice there's no divisions, no, you know, clicks in the team and, and that's just stuff you experience your whole life. And I mean, I'm sure you guys have too. And, and the less clicks you have, the better your team will be. Um, doesn't matter really how skilled or talented you are. Right. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, culture and work ethic were definitely the two kind of driving forces of our team and, and at least the two big things I learned.
0: During your freshman season at RMU, you actually wanted to quit lacrosse and move back home. Why was the first year of college difficult for you, and how did you grind through it?
2: Right. So I think, you know, a lot of freshmen go through kind of the same struggles, but, you know, coming out of high school, you know, you do have that little bit of swag and a little bit of confidence thinking, you know, you're on top of the world and you don't need to work hard for it. Um, and unfortunately, that was, you know, my lacrosse career, lacrosse career my whole life. So um, it was a wake-up call for sure um it's uh it's just a different it's a different environment right you're practicing 5 days a week workouts 3 days a week coming as a freshman so you're you're catching up and you're probably not going to get too much playing time so just after that full year um you know it's more more just kind of on the floor stuff and and I was having a hard time adjusting to the you know the schedule to the to the, to the effort um you know but again my daddy kind of the hard way just kind of sat me down and said listen you'll get over it just, just get through the the, the next couple of months. And when you start playing, you know, look better. And and I, again, that's probably the best decision and best advice he's ever given me because the number one thing people ask me is what I learned from school. And, and what I take with me is the, is the work ethic that that you need just to make it through the four years, um, you know, let alone thrive. So like, you know, for example, <laughs> through all four years, I never said I was going to get up at five thirty to go work out, but that's literally my schedule now, like voluntarily, like it's, it's just it's one of those things where you hate it then but then you you really appreciate it after.
1: You mentioned your dad sat you down and um you know I've been there and my dad as you mentioned with your father is uh kind of my biggest supporter and he's someone that I can really lean on and he gives me great advice. He's my uh you know he keeps me even-keeled and focused. He doesn't let me get too high or let me get too low. Right. What emphasis did your father put on um, graduating college and, and keeping good grades? Because obviously, as he knows, and he's been through it, unfortunately, the NN or NLL doesn't get as much hype, um, aka salaries, fans, as uh, some of these bigger sports like the NFL and the NBA.
2: Right, right. So that's always been in the back of my mind. and And this is kind of, again, another fortunate thing I've been able to experience is I grew up with him literally kind of going through that process of the nll not you know being able to give enough resources it's just not there yet um so throughout this whole process i've always knew what what lacrosse essentially is and that's you know whether it's a source of networking or a source to, to go to school and to get a good education you know friends whatever it is um i'm hoping i can play as long as i can now but like exactly like you just said Um, you know, he's always made sure and, and myself included to not let that kind of overshadow, unfortunately, the, the real, you know, priorities in life, which is, you know, the nine to five and whatnot. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, again, something he went through and he he's making sure that, you know, I, if not make those same mistakes or, you know, learn from them at least.
0: So it sounds like there was a bit of a mindset change. I don't know if it happened right after your freshman year, but statistically you had five points as a freshman, 41 as a sophomore, 46 as a junior, and then 69 as a senior. Was it just that mindset change, or did you change anything else in your routine to have this success?
2: Yeah, so the first thing's first, and, and the biggest advice that I give to to high, to high school kids going into college is although your confidence and, and your swagger is going to take a little bit of hit, just make sure to keep it because you need – the exact right amount of level there to play at your best, I feel. Um, but it both kind of turned out to my confidence um going into my sophomore year, you know, having a good fall ball. And when you play confident, you have to play better. Um but the biggest change was was just my practice and, you know, off field workouts and stuff like that. Um, you know, growing up in Canadian lacrosse, the culture, you know, the old Canadian lac- lacrosse culture was you show up to games, you know, 30 minutes before, get dressed and and get play and that was my mindset freshman year which you know it didn't turn out for me so i knew going into sophomore i had it completely turned around and um you know workouts were definitely probably the number one factor um so me and then two other you know teammates mike Eva and mike clark we would go and work out usually you know 5 6 p.m whether or not we had a workout that day with the team or practice and whatnot so just doing that extra stuff i, th- I thought was a huge um you know game changer for me sophomore year and then it just kind of became part of my routine going forward
1: you talk about making that part of your routine you mentioned that now you get up at five thirty a.m to do your workouts what is that like and how do you balance uh your your workout routine on top of playing professional hockey or, or excuse me professional lacrosse and then not even to mention, uh, you work at fund, uh, fund Investing Stocks. So how do you balance all three of these? You wake up at 5.30. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your routine as well, what
2: that looks like? Right, yeah, so, so I'm one to, to always need to keep busy. Um, I like keeping busy or I kind of lose it. So so right now it's, it's on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, 5.30 in the morning lifts, and then Obviously, Monday to Friday, usually go in to the office around 8 or 9, um, take around the 6, 6 30 train home. Um, and then, yeah, I call it a night. And then when we're in season, um, usually Fridays, I take off and we fly out to whatever city in the mornings and then come back Sunday. Um, but yeah, so uh, the things that kind of help me do this routine um, has definitely been nutrition. Um, I really kind of made an emphasis too um, when I left school was to really work on that. And, and I just noticed, I felt better and more energetic. And, uh, and then, you know, just really committing to my schedule. Um, I'm not going to lie, you know, the first couple of times and there's still some mornings where you wake up and you don't want to go work out. Um, But uh, I think now it's just, I kind of forced myself early on and created that routine. And now, now it's just, it's, it's part of me and, and I've, I've been loving it so far. so. but the the 5 30 workouts were kind of put in just so i can make time almost because you know after a long day at work you don't really have that good of a workout not so i find that going beforehand like i just feel better for the day and and it's just been great and a lot of
0: coffee
2: <laughs> yeah i'm
0: going through a bit of that same thing right now we during the summer we had a nice you know 9 30 a.m skating slot but now yeah. that all of the youth teams are back in session, the only time we can get is 6 a.m. So the last right. couple of weeks, it's been a bit of a grind setting the alarm for 445, but you're right. Once you do get it done, you feel really good. And compared to pushing it off to the end of the day, when you are tired, you're definitely not going to see the same results.
2: Exactly. And, and results have been baked too. I've noticed a huge improvement in my performance and just better workouts alone just early that in the morning. Just got to get to that yeah. first five minutes.
1: <laughs> I think that's a, important to touch on is that you you keep your workouts great uh, if you do them early in the morning, and I totally agree. I think it just frees you mentally too for the rest of the day if you do do your stuff earlier in the morning. You know that you have it done. Where I feel sometimes if you wait to do it at the end of the day, you're you're almost dreading it for the rest of the day. Um, you may exactly. be more inclined to. I mean, not personally, but I guess I've been there at the end of the day. You want to, you want to skip reps or you want to take the easy way out or you don't want to do the running you need to do. Whereas if you just do it in the morning, it's almost more more motivational and you're just done for the rest of the day and can do whatever you need to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's not, you know, you don't kind of feel like, like you haven't accomplished enough for the day as it just sits there. But, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's tough to start the routine for sure. But once you get into it, I promise anyone, um, there's no one who I've said that once they get into it, they don't like it. So no, it's been great.
0: Turn the page a little bit here. During your time at Robert Morris, uh, you had a teammate and more importantly, a best friend, Jack Toom, who shortly after college passed away very unexpectedly. How has this Mm -hmm. impacted you and what have you done to honor him?
2: Yeah, so um, like you just said, Jack had a, you know, unexpected passing. and it's definitely been, you know, I've never personally lost someone, you know, extremely close to me. Um, so that was, you know, another kind of a wake up call or or an experience that was bound to happen. Um, it was tough. Um, it kind of, the way it happened too, the timing. So March 16th was the day and, uh, for Canada, like we were stuck in quarantine. Um, so I was pretty much stuck in my basement, (laughs) like could not leave, which, you know, mine's not too busy doing that. And then uh you know unable to go to the funeral and whatnot. So it's it's definitely been tough. But um you know what I've taken it as a as a really huge learning process of of certain values, whether it's you know, don't take you know not taking certain things for granted, not waiting to do certain things. Um and then so throughout the summer, um there's been two um you know little things I've been able to do to honor him. That was to wear his jersey in the M O L. Uh so Jack um he probably would have been drafted um in the expansion draft this year probably would have played against or with him so um that was kind of my way of you know letting him have that opportunity and then uh I did get a tattoo last week of him and uh a dog uh, named Bella uh that was his dog that we actually got senior year and took care of her um for you know our second semester senior year so that was kind of you know a little thing that we did together like our little girl but uh but, yeah, it's, it's definitely been tough, and, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things I want to do, you know, moving forward to, to keep honoring him and, and, you know, keeping his legacy alive.
1: That sounds like a great tribute, and uh, it sounds like you did it very well. Me and Sean always touch on that when we go through hardships, we're never in it alone. So during these tough times, obviously you're in quarantine. Who was your support group? Was it, again, your father, maybe your mom, uh, some other close friends or teammates?
2: Right. So uh, kind of another kind of hard part of this is, you know, with, you know, Jack being a part of my, you know, university life. And it was a lot of phone calls to friends back at school. Um, you know, my other roommate, Alex Hager, who who we talked a lot. Um, but that's also kind of the positive side of that, you know, it, it kind of mi- like got me closer with a couple other people in, you know, in relate in relation to Jack or, you know, and empathizing, you know, with my friends like that. Um, but mainly Alex and uh, Mike Clark and Mike Even were kind of my support system for Jack.
0: It's really amazing that you have found a way to take a positive out of such a terrible situation. You mentioned you have a couple ideas for other things to do to honor, and would you mind sharing those?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the first thing on my mind right now, um, I do want to eventually start um, a scholarship foundation at Robert Morris for Jack, um, obviously to the lacrosse team and under his name, um, definitely going to have to work a few more years before I can supply that. But those, those are just, you know, stuff like that. Um, again, uh, when this, you know, quarantine's over, definitely going over to Cincinnati for a couple of weeks to spend time with his family. Um, like I went to Jack's family's um, every, almost every American Thanksgiving and, they're the biggest hearted people in the world. So I really just want to, um, you know, do what I can for them and, and to help them out as well.
0: When we were talking a little bit earlier, you also talked about how it's kind of given you motivation to succeed for two lives rather than one. Is this right? Does it almost help you wake up and get those five thirty workouts in and all that?
2: Right, so that's it's it's been definitely my number one driver, um pretty much since it happened. Um, it it kind of added like that extra fuel to the fire, I think, and and you know, kind of going to the point, or I guess to the metaphor of you know having that hill in the house, or sorry, that house on the hill, and you know that perfect vision, and and really in the back of my mind, and going through what I do is now I just need to accomplish, you know. Like like you just said for two people, and and just make sure that what I do, um, what I accomplish is you know for the right reasons, and you know towards a good goal that I know will look will look good on Jack um, when accomplished. So, so yeah, it's definitely been um, my number one driver, and it will continue to be so.
1: If you could go back, you know, say ten years or maybe to your the start of your freshman year at Robert Morris, and give yourself a piece of advice, what would it be?
2: Yeah. So, and this is, a, this is the biggest thing I learned from Jack's passing and that's, you know, just don't wait to do stuff. Don't say you're going to do it later and, you know, definitely don't take what you have, um, for granted. So really just live, live in the now and live in the present. Um, uh, you know, there, there's a, a few things where, you know, I mean, Jack was supposed to do this or, you know, I'll never forget Jack's reasoning for always going out on a Saturday or Sunday was, uh, you're only in college once. And, uh, so uh, it sounds stupid when you hear it at that uh, time, but looking back at it now is uh, just make sure to ch- cherish the, mo- the memories you have and and don't miss an opportunity to experience something great with your friends when you can.
0: Yeah, I agree. That's one of the best pieces of advice I got from an upperclassman. I asked Alex Tonge right after our <laughs> season had just ended, and he was a senior, I said, you know, any advice for any of the guys moving on? And he said, anytime you want to do something at all, like even if it's like, ah, maybe just do it just yeah. go have those experiences and be with your friends. Cause the work-life balance is so tough, but you know, you don't remember the extra hours you spend at the office. You remember, you know, going out and having fun with your buddies. So I completely agree no, with you no, there. Exactly. Going back to professional lacrosse, it's a pretty big adjustment from college um, for the listeners who don't know, what are some of the differences between college lacrosse and uh, pro lacrosse you're playing now in the NLL?
2: Yeah, so, um, so in the NLL, that's the indoor game. Um, the biggest difference with uh, college and pro is the mental aspect of the game. Um, you know, obviously, everything else, as per most sports, it gets faster. You know, everyone's, you know, a little more talented, more physical. Um, but the big part is the mental game, and that's been a strength for me my whole life. Um, and I have been able to leverage that, especially in college. Um, but in, when you get to the pro level, everybody's, you know, pretty smart and very well at reading plays and it, it's hard, it's a lot harder to be able to kind of find the easy ways to the net. Um, but between that and then the physicality is, you know, everyone's obviously doing the off road work now. So um, those are definitely the two things that I would say is the biggest difference.
0: <clears throat> well, Tyson, we can't thank you enough for your time and for coming on today. Obviously um, some of those things are tough to talk about, but we really appreciate you opening up and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be able to learn from your experience here.
2: No, I appreciate it for you guys having me. And uh, no, this is great. Um, it's definitely tough stuff, but um, I think it's, it's awesome. You guys are, you know, being able to provide experiences to, to people in college and people looking at different routes, but no, that was awesome. Thanks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Tyson, we'll be sure to follow up on your career and, Make sure we keep the people involved with what you're doing.
2: Absolutely. Thanks again, guys, and have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too, Tyson. Thank you.
2: All right. See ya.
0: Bye.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Aversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is Aversity underscore university. Our Twitter handle is Aversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Aversity University. If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Versity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly, so stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now. And with that, class has concluded.